With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Every single day on my Twitter account, follow me at jaltature. I'm doing the adult improvement tip of the day. As an adult, I've become a chess master, professional stand-up comedian, a computer programmer, an investor, a hedge fund manager, an entrepreneur. In some cases, I've mastered some of these new fields. It's no good to just do something mindlessly over and over and over again and not get better. You get happier when you improve. New research shows that adults can improve just as easily as kids or almost as easily. I've written books about adult improvement. I have new ideas that beat out the 10,000 hour rule. And I'm doing a whole thread every single day, one tip a day for the next 100 days, adult improvement tip of the day. Find me on Twitter at Jay Altucher. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. James, where are you? I can't find you for two months now. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I've had a really bad case of COVID. And oh my God. I, I know a lot of people have had bad cases of COVID. Mine's not necessarily worse or better. I, I have to say I was super arrogant. I did not get a vaccine. And the reason I didn't get a vaccine is because my kids, have all my kids have had COVID. All my friends have had COVID. COVID's been around a year and a half. <coughs> I, I know, look, I'm still coughing from it. I've been exposed to COVID a million times. Look, I'm a, I've performed in front of groups of people who have then hugged me and stuff, and I haven't gotten COVID. So I thought I was invincible. And lo and behold, both Robin and I got the worst possible version of COVID you could possibly get without dying. Both Robin and I spent time in the hospital. Robin was in the hospital for several days. Her oxygen was extremely low. I was actually, I was actually really worried that she was going to die and I was scared and they wouldn't even, it's one of those things like those classic stories. They wouldn't let me see her because she had COVID and I'm like, well, I have COVID and they're like, sorry, sir, you can't see her, get out. And so I had to leave the hospital when they discharged me in any case. And then I, I was, we had just moved into a place that had no furniture and no internet. Like literally there was no bed, no furniture, nothing. I was wiring around sweating and in pain all the time and with no internet. So I couldn't even reach out to people. I got like one bar on Verizon and I'm not complaining about my story. Everyone's had hard stories. That's the thing, is that it's not even worth complaining. But I'm just explaining the facts of what happened. Wait, so, sorry. 
I just trying to channel the James Altucher interview style right here. Yes. Bring me back to when you first got the symptoms. Yeah, because you just wouldn't. It wouldn't just pop up, right? It's no. Slowly, it's a gradual thing. So I did something I don't usually do, which is I saw tickets to an event, a comedy event that I wanted to see, and it was in Chicago. I never do this. I bought tickets, and I said, "Honey, let's fly to Chicago and see this comedy event." It was. It was, and we brought some friends, and it was. I have. Ne- I haven't seen Louis C.K. perform in a year and a half, and it was. It was funny. It was good, and but we noticed we started. We were coughing a little bit. The next day, um, we were in Atlanta where we were getting a place to live for a little bit. And um, it, all of a sudden, we couldn't move. Like, this was the Jeez. worst virus, I've, worse than any flu. It was the worst virus I've ever had. I couldn't move. I couldn't, I could barely breathe. I was coughing all the time. And I was sleeping 23 out of 24 hours a day. I wasn't hungry, but I was nauseous all the time. And the pain was weird. Like I was in 24 hours a day of pain, but not like constant pain. It was more like a pain would appear in my leg, then in my chest, then in my head, then in my ear, then in my arm. Like it would just, it would be like popcorn pain popping all over the place. And that was just 24 hours a day for, for two weeks. And so we went to the hospital. Robin had to stay there because her oxygen levels were so low. Um, and I even told myself, this is scary, but I don't even want to say it, but I, w- I was definitely at my wit's end. I could not take it. And then finally, in the past few days, I feel like we're on the other side of it. Like I'm still maybe a little feverish, but right. I'm getting better. I could talk. I could do this podcast. But here's an interesting thing. So I'm not complaining. Every This COVID virus is horrible. There's There's really no... Like I would ask, I would call five doctors for medicine and one of my closest friends is a doctor and there's no medicine. You just take Tylenol, but then you get nauseous taking the Tylenol or the ibuprofen. So you got to take anti-nausea medication. And I'll tell you, uh, Ben Greenfield, who's been on this podcast and I've been on his, um, he offered some good advice and it was the supplements I had already been taking for two years, but because I had gone traveling, I stopped taking it, which was quercetin, vitamin C, zinc magnesium and a few other things. Quercetin is very important and vitamin D. Uh, So I've been taking these supplements ever since January of 2020 and haven't gotten COVID. I stopped taking it for like one week and I have the worst (coughs) brand of COVID possible. But I'm not complaining and thank God Robin's getting better. I'm getting better. But one thing I noticed, a couple things, and this is related to business. It's related to success. It's related to talent. It's related to, to entrepreneurship. It's related to investing. And I'm going to be doing a lot more of these types of things, which is that I did notice my brain had gone into a brain fog. Like, I, I forget, Jay, have you had COVID? Uh, no, luckily not. Yeah. Yeah, luckily not. And um, hopefully you won't get it. My, my kids have had it, by the way. No big deal. They had zero symptoms. So I thought that would be the same for me. But anyway, I noticed I had gotten into severe brain fog. Uh, and I made a joke at the hospital. Oh, I guess this is, this is what normal people are like all day long, but nobody laughs at the joke. And okay. worst place to make a joke. Yeah. Worst place to make a joke. And I think they were all insulted by me, which they were. <laughs> so, so who cares about them? But, um, no, I do. They save lives, but they, the guy, I think they were malicious cause they, they knew I was not vaccinated. And by the way, again, 
I'm not anti-vax. I was just really lazy. I, I, we'd even tried to schedule a vaccine and it was like inconvenient. So we didn't do it. And we just didn't do it. We're not we're anti-vax. Just, weren't you supposed to vaccinate? Yeah, I was going to get it like the day before I left. And then I didn't do it. So, because um, I was just lazy. But anyway, so they, they were all the way. Like the guy testing for COVID, he stuck this Q-tip like through my brain. And, and he like enjoyed it. So uh, whatever. But, but I did notice during this, and I was able to measure it. I was able to accurately measure how much brain fog COVID caused me and is still causing me. So, of course, uh, and I'm not going to make this about chess, but I'm going to make this about how you get over brain fog and even become better, hopefully, in life in general. But because because chess is statistically measured, like I know statistically how much better I am than, let's say, you or other players, because there's a ranking system that's been statistically created by a mathematician named Arpad Elo. And I believe a lot of sports now use the Elo ranking system. Like if I'm one standard deviation better than you, I can beat you two out of three times. And if I'm two standard deviations, I can beat you like, I don't know, four out of five times, something like that. And (laughs) so, but there's a ranking system. So when I started recovering and I started playing again, I saw that I was instantly, instantly two standard deviations lower than I had been two weeks ago. So the brain fog had cost me two standard deviations of, call it intelligence, call it skill, whatever you want. Whatever it is you're good at, you're going to be two, like if you're a mathematician, you're going to be two standard deviations lower. If you're an investor, you're going to be two standard deviations worse. You're not going to think as clearly. And so I started thinking, what is it that is not thinking clearly for me? And it wasn't that I was less intelligent. It wasn't like I couldn't calculate as fast is that my brain had no motivation to push itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if you pick up a book and you start reading and you forget where you are, you, my brain didn't really feel like figuring out what was going on in the plot. Right. Also, I felt like because your brain has read stuff for so long, it need like a jump start to jump start back at. I yeah, mean, maybe that's it. It needs a jump start. So I started playing chess, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on? I'm just losing." And I've played these openings twenty thousand times in my life, and I'm just playing them in this boring, uninspirational way. So because I had this brain frog, I, uh, brain fog, not brain frog. <laughs> that's part of the brain fog, maybe, is that I call everything a frog now. But uh, because I had this brain fog, and and honestly, I was scared. Like I, you know, I have a lot of financial things going on. I have businesses that I help run. I have things that are important. I've been out of action for all these weeks and I didn't know what to do. And I thought I was going to fall apart on everything. And, um, but I decided, okay, let's just try an experiment. I'm, I can't get my brain back instantly the way it was, but I'm going to try to do an experiment because I'm always into experiments. I'm going to try to do the unexpected as much as possible. And first, I'm going to check it out with chess. So with chess, instead of making the, what would be the normal moves, and I kept losing with the what I thought were the normal moves, I'm going to make moves that are unexpected. Like I'm going to be unexpectedly aggressive. Or I'm going to ask myself, I'm going to take a look at a position, and instead of just making the normal move that I was about to make, I would ask myself, 
what is a move that I would never make here that looks okay? And I have to just have one reason for it. And I can't find any bad reasons for it, but it has to be totally unexpected. And I started training my brain over and over again um, to make the unexpected moves, to make moves that I would never make before. And, and I started making much more aggressive moves. And then I started winning. I got, I, I, instead of being two standard deviations away, I'm probably about a half a standard deviation away now from my normal thing. Will you be able to go back to your regular thinking after that? Like, would you get too accustomed to the way you think right now? I don't know because I don't know. They say this brain fog could last for a long time, so maybe I have to. But I don't care because you could always train the brain to think in new ways. Like, I'll give you an example from entrepreneurship. One time, this is 2012. I owned, I owned a small public company. That doesn't mean as much as great as it sounds. There are these things called shells that have been public since the 1960s, but there's no business there. And why would someone want to shell? Well, you could merge another company in, and that's how you take it public. This is a long way of explaining a strategy I had back in 2012. And I remember thinking I couldn't find a company to. I thought I was making millions of dollars. Like I couldn't find a company to merge into this public shell. So I had to do something unexpected. Instead of trying to find a way to make money with that shell, I simply sold the shell. And invested that money in other companies, and and so sometimes turning your thinking upside down is a better way to think. And so what I'm trying to say is actually everybody talks about talent, like oh he's talented at music, he's talented at sports, he's talented at math, he's talented at chess. I think more important than being talented is teaching yourself to think unexpected. So if everybody thinks you're going to think that make the normal move, and if you think you're going to make the normal move, whether it's chess or life or business, or whatever, make the unexpected move. Make the move that's a little bit surprising, that's a little bit more aggressive, that's a little bit more ambitious. Don't go crazy with it. Like don't make a don't jump off a building or anything.、Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. So, 1853.、Uh, there's a guy named George Crum. Fitting enough, that's、mm-hmm. his name. Name's George Crum. He works at a restaurant in Saratoga Springs, known in New York in New York State, known for his French fries. So somebody started complaining. These are the worst French fries I've ever eaten. And so George Crum got so upset that he did the unexpected. He cut the potatoes as thinly as he could and just fried them. So all the guy would get was, was no potato really, just fry, and he put a ton of salt on them. And guess what?、Uh-huh. He, that's how he invented potato chips. Ah,、uh, the crumb invented the chips. Yes. So, so thinking in an unexpected and even in an aggressive way is is often the the way to overcome talent. So when I say overcome talent, why do I say that? Well, he could have been a very talented chef. He could have been a very talented at making French fries, but or maybe he wasn't. Maybe his French fries were not that good. But by doing something unexpected and even aggressive, he was able to create something that withstood the test of time and became amazing.、Yeah. And so, I played chess thousands of times, but now I can't make the normal moves because I know I have this brain fog. So I have to say to myself, "What's a move I would never make?" and make it unexpected so that my opponent doesn't expect it, and then I don't expect it. And suddenly, I started winning all these games again, and 
I, I, you know, how do you train yourself to think of in the unexpected ways? Well, you know, one thing is, is to do like what this guy George Crumb did. Someone said, I don't like French fries. Well, what's, what are, what are 10 other ways I can make French fries? Well, maybe I could slice the potato super thin, or maybe I could fry an entire potato. Maybe that'd be horrible, but I'd fry the entire potato all the way for, for weeks and then see what happens. Or maybe I could, um, make the French fries in little squares instead of long. I don't know. I don't know. There's unexpected ways to make French fries. Well, see, one thing, one thing I don't really like the label of talented is that it sort of just dismiss everything else that you are doing. Like people are like, oh, you are talented. And then you're like, I get this far, not just by being talented. Right. You it's know, an excuse. Work. Yeah. Yeah. The word talent is an excuse. Like, oh, I don't have the talent, so I can't do that. Whereas right. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if you train your brain mm -hmm. to think in unexpected ways, that will overcome talent. So here's a great example, Andy Warhol. And I've talked about this before, but Andy Warhol was probably the most talented illustrator in the entire advertising world of Madison Avenue, New York City. He could take a look at you and he could draw you exactly. But it's, that's not what Andy Warhol is famous for. He's not famous for drawing exact recollections of people. He, he needed to do something unexpected. To be, to be famous in any area of life, you need to do something unexpected. So Andy Warhol said to himself, okay, well, what if I make these kitschy drawings of romance comics? And then he realized his friend Roy Lichtenstein was doing that. So he couldn't do that. So he, somebody said to him, why don't you just paint a, a Campbell's soup box, a Campbell's soup can? And he gave, uh, it was a woman who was an interior decorator, gave him that suggestion. He paid her $50 for the idea, by the way. And he then made a Campbell's soup can and that became famous. Those cans sell for like $40 million now. And he became, you know, the world's most, he invented the whole area of pop art. He did something unexpected. No one expected that you could just make a Campbell's soup can and that would be art. And he did it and that was successful. I mean, it's the same thing in every area of life. Like if you just improve, if you're a mathematician and you just make the latest proof on some other boring proof, you're not going to be famous. But if you prove something big and universal and different than that, and if you use other disciplines too, like if you combine disciplines, then that is truly uh, uh, unexpected. And unexpected trumps talent. Unexpected right. beat, beats talent. Right. Yeah. I think that's a lot more like, um, you know, uh, stories like this. Like even like the, that's how Twitter got started, right? Yeah, Twitter. Twitter was started off as, I forgot their initial name. They started off as a podcasting software, believe it or not. And this guy in the corner named Jack was making <coughs> an SMS messaging service via the web. And that became Twitter. And so Ev Williams, he said to all of his investors, you could have all of your money back um, or you could take a ride on this new thing that we're doing called Twitter. All the investors took their money back. So just Ev Williams and Jack Dorsey were left with shares. And then it became Twitter. It became a huge thing. They became billionaires. So right. it's, it's, always, it's always the unexpected. Like I'm trying to think of other examples. Anything that you do, you have a principle that you 
you're not gonna not do right. Like like when you're investing, when you start business, there's a, this thing that you will do. Like let's say you're not gonna invest more than ten percent of your portfolio or whatever. Yeah. But how is that different than you know doing something that's unexpected? Like do you still follow all the protocol? Yeah. Or? So that's a great question. So the only way to make money in investing is to do the unexpected. Let's say I say on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, it says, oh, buy Apple stock today because they have a new iPhone coming out. How am I going to make money buying Apple stock? On that? Like everybody in the world is reading that. So right. if I invest the same second everybody else invests, how, are any, how do any of us have an advantage? Most things in life, I don't want to say most things in life are competitive, but most things in life, you have to be a little bit aggressive. You have to be aggressively unexpected because you're competing even if you write a book, you're competing against other writers. You have to do something unexpected. So when I wrote Choose Yourself, what was unexpected about it was I was a finance writer and I was writing about all the times I went broke. And now since then, the entire field of failure porn has become a genre on it, unto its own. But at the time, it was unexpected. So it sold a, a lot of copies. And when I've invested in such a way that it's the same as everyone else. I've made no money. Like, okay, let's say you like electronic vehicles. Don't invest in Tesla, although it might make money. People have made a lot of money investing in Tesla, but some people have lost money investing in Tesla. Find out who's making the, I don't know, <coughs> the chips that are inside the chips that are inside the chips that are inside the radar of Tesla, some small Canadian company and invest in that company. Or, uh, you know, find asset classes that nobody else is investing in or use techniques from one area to invest in other areas. Like I used to have a boss who was a hedge fund manager. He would study everything. He would study how trees grow and see if it was related to how stocks grow. He would study how fish, you know, move downstream from summer to winter. And he would try to understand if that's how stocks go. He would always try to make connections between one area and another. And of course, a great exercise to practice being unexpected is to write 10 ideas a day so that when you need to be unexpected, you, the ideas, you, your brain knows how to search for those unusual ideas instead of relying on talent or skill. You have to have skill at coming up with 10 ideas a day. What's 10 ideas a day we can come up with? I, I, see, I have brain fog. I don't, I, <laughs> brain fog. I don't I can't even, I haven't come up with my 10 ideas a day, so maybe we should do that right here. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. 
and I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like, I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? <laughs> Yes, I definitely gonna use him for now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy, James. I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. 
You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Okay, I want to do like a masterclass on investing. And we'll start that on the next podcast. Maybe we'll even finish that on the next podcast. But what are the 10 key components of being a good investor? And it's not... This is not, I'm not selling anything, and this is not what you're going to see in any kind of class for sale. Here are the 10 things you need to know if you want to be a good investor. First off, you need to have good psychological discipline and money management. I'm including those together because I'm trying not to cheat. I'm going to come up with 10 ideas, and psychology and money management are related. When I went broke, 2002 was the first time I went broke. And in 2004 and in 2008 and in 2012, I went broke all these times. And the way I went broke is by not respecting money management. I'll explain more of that in our podcast on the masterclass of investing. Uh, I have to say that's very important because I think I told you this. I got scammed last week because I'm not respecting, I'm not respecting the Money management. Right? right. You invested more than you thought you you yeah. should because you thought this was a you gotta you gotta get this chance and then they ended up scamming you. Yeah, and also I didn't do my due diligence that I never did. Yeah, because like for all the other stuff that I invest in, I would at least look at their website, look at their telegram, look at their messaging, like look at what people were talking about it. And then for this one, I didn't. I'm like why didn't you? Well, because like, I don't know. This is this is the weird thing. I don't know. Why didn't I do it? Maybe I was looking at it. I'm like, this coin is going up 100%. Like, if I didn't go in right now, I'm going to not make as much. You know what I mean? So I was being greedy. Right. Yeah. So, so greed is often a cause of breaking the rules of yes. investing. And... Uh, but I will say due diligence, due diligence is not in my rules of being a good investor. There's very, due diligence is a scam and I'll explain why at a different point. But so number one, psychology and money management. Psychology is a little different than money management and I'll explain why, but it's, I'm putting in the same category. Number two, understanding the history of investing. So before you invest in crypto, for instance, people should understand what crypto is. Like they should understand what is a Bitcoin? What was Bitcoin before Bitcoin? Why was there digital transactions in the first place? What is the problems with normal money? So you should understand the history of money and investing or the history of money before you invest in crypto. You should understand the history of investing before investing. Read Warren Buffett's biography, for instance. Read Bernard Baruch's biography. Read the history of the Wall Street Stock Exchange. Read the histories of the best investors out there. You can't just be a good investor out of nowhere 
and and not knowing. I, I, I once saw, listened to a video where people were talking about the five greatest investors of all time. And I was shocked. These were all famous CNBC commentators and CNBC is the worst channel to ever listen to. So don't listen to it. But these were all CNBC commentators. Um, and they were talking about the best five best investors of all time. They didn't know anything about the investors they were talking about. I was struck how little of the history they learned. So I looked up their investing firms and they were all robo investors, which means when times are good, they're going to do good. And when times are bad, they're going to do awful. So nobody should invest in their firms either, but they don't know anything about investing. So that's number two is know the history. Number three, know all the different strategies. It's not just about buying and selling stocks. What does it mean to buy stocks? What does it mean to short stocks? What does it mean value investing? What does it mean growth investing? What does it mean options investing? What does it mean convertible arbitrage, arbitrage, bonds, debt, distressed debt? Like, is there a difference between real estate investing and stock investing and collectible investing? What are the differences? There's not as many differences as people think. So what do we got? We got, whoa, I got psychology, I got history, I got know all the different strategies. Uh, uh, so that's three. I'm gonna have a hard time coming up with 10 with this brain fog, I think. Uh, not having brain fog could be one. Yeah, not having brain fog. Well, no, because I'm gonna say that you, with even with brain fog, you should take into account, like right now when I play chess, I take into account that I have brain fog, so I look a little bit harder for the unexpected moves. But that's the other thing too with investing. You have to invest in the unexpected. You have to invest in asset classes that people are not as familiar with. You know, for instance, looking more at micro cap stocks and you have to understand what your advantage. So, so, okay, look at the unexpected is one thing, but you have to, you have to know, you have to ask yourself, where is my unfair advantage? Like if I look at the wall street journal and then I call my friend and say, I'm going to buy Apple stock. He's going to say, man, that's, how did you figure that out? That's a great secret that you came up with. Apple stock. I never even heard of that. Like, uh, you have to know, you have to be able to answer. If someone says, what's your advantage? Why should I believe you over the other 20 million people investing? You have to have an unfair advantage. And I can explain that in the context of me when we do the masterclass, you have to be able to combine investment strategies. So this is another technique. So you have to know that if I buy stocks, maybe I can use options to hedge my exposure to stocks. You have to learn what real diversification is. So diversification doesn't mean buying Exxon and buying Microsoft. That used to be diversification, but this is where knowing the history helps. Exxon and Microsoft are now correlated with each other. The whole stock market is correlated. It all goes up or it all goes down. So learning how to diversify and really be not exposed to one investment category is important. So I think I'm up to like seven. This is always the hard part. Right. I got to come up with three more of what I want to teach. And, you know, I guess another important part is this is a little harder to teach. So I don't know if it's fair to say it, but having a network to help you invest is important. Now you can create, thinking about it, you could create an artificial network so that you don't necessarily have to call Warren Buffett up and say, Hey, Warren, what should I buy? You could, but, but it's important to, to have a network of investors that you trust more than yourself. Uh, that you could, whether you call them or, or tap into their knowledge somehow, that's important. That's very wait, important. Wait. So what if you curate all the investor that you like into like 
a newsletter or like a web page, and you can see what they have invested, and then just follow that. That is certainly one viable strategy. I think that's called cloning, and that's the strategy that I made the website Stock Picker around. But it's only one strategy. It's only going to be good for for so much. With the stock market, let's be clear: you're only going to make on average about five to ten percent a year on the stock market. But there are ways to make. I mean, I just had a, uh, an investment, and I'm not bragging because, unfortunately, I invested too little in this. My investment that returned a hundred thousand percent in the past five years, and what? you don't get investments like that too often. <laughs> but I wish I had invested more. That's like investing in Uber, but I didn't. But I didn't. <coughs> I didn't invest that big. So, um, so you have to you have to learn how to diversify your returns. So some returns are good for ten percent. Some and some returns are good for a big amount, but you're not going to get any money for ten years. So you have to diversify your time frame too. So sometimes some things are short term investments, sometimes things are long term investments, and then you have to know how to do the work of finding good investments. And uh, that's a cop out a little bit. Let's say we're on number ten or number nine. Uh, I got to come up with one that's not a cop out because there's, there is a lot of good things to learn. I think also it's, it's worthwhile to understand what's going on in the economy, but there's, there's, there's very basic principles of economics that I, that most principles of economics are bullshit. And I think it's important to understand basic principles and that's what could help with investing. And it's also useful to know when the economists on CNBC are talking bullshit, like when you have guys like Nouriel Roubini, who's who, he's been saying the market's going to crash for the past twenty-five years, and he's been, he's been wrong except once. So to two thousand eight, he was right, and they called him Doctor Doom, and he became a prophet. But he's he's totally wrong every other time. So you have to know who to trust and what their agendas are, and why are they saying these things? Even me, you have to understand why is James saying X Y Z? Is he pushing? A stock? Is he selling a newsletter? You have to understand all the motivations, and I'll go over that too in our in our master class. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm forgetting anything else. But if I am, I'll I'll bring it up in the master class. But the important thing is, you have to the way to win in investing is to do the unexpected. That is always right. the key. The unexpected. That is great. So let's just to summarize: practice the unexpected by writing down ten ideas a day. Um, so this way you can always come up with the unexpected ideas when you need them. Second, it's really important to know that unexpected, the unexpected replaces talent. It replaces skill. It replaces IQ. If you're playing tennis with somebody and you constantly hit the ball to your left corner of the court, and then how do you win? If you, they always know what to expect, you only win when you do the unexpected, you hit to the right corner of the court. And then they didn't expect it, and you win. And and it's the same thing. Bobby Fischer, very famous. Bobby Fischer is one of the greatest chess players ever, greatest American chess player ever. He was the world champion for his entire life. He played one opening, pawn to king four, from the age of twelve till the day he won the world championship, or to the day the world championship started. He played pawn to king four. What move did he make in game six of the world championship against Boris Spassky? He played pawn to queen four, and he won. He crushed the guy. He made the unexpected move, and that's what you have to do to win. And I'm not talking about winning games. This is how you win in life. Like if you go up to if you if you meet a girl at a party 
and and you say, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm James. Nice to meet you." That's not the unexpected. You have to kind of, unfortunately, I'm not say, talking about pickup lines or anything, but you have to be. You have to stand out a little bit. You have to you have to really show who you are in two seconds. And I know this from doing thousands of interviews. Like you have to say the unexpected when you're doing stand up comedy. People don't go, "Hey, take my wife, please." That's the expected joke. You have to make an unexpected joke. Uh, and that's how the best comedians ever, Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., Amy Schumer, whoever you like, that's what they do is they make the unexpected. Right. Isn't that what Joe Cohen said when you talk to strangers, talk to, you know, talk about the unexpected or something negative? Yeah. Well, give me an example because I have brain fog right now. <laughs> Remember like, so... Um, so let's say you were talking to a stranger. You have like a small talk about the weather, and then rather than say, "Oh, this weather is so hot," you should say like, "This weather is way too peaceful. I I wish we have like a typhoon, or like a storm, or like a a flood." You know, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So so take the weather. Like, oh, it was nice weather today. And if you just say, "I hate it," like I wish, I wish it was freezing because then I could wear my new winter coat that I just got. Like or whatever,、yeah. like you always want to say something that gets people thinking. Yeah, because that that actually worked yesterday. I this week I've been trying the technique out, like using the Joe Cohen technique, you know, the unexpected thing. So like I was in the doctor yesterday, and then yesterday was really hot in New York. I'm like, well, this is a shitty weather. Now I just wish there's another storm. And, yeah, and then she laughed, and then we have like, you know, more. Small talk, and and now you're talking to, talk to, talk to me, and now you're dating her. Uh, no, I think she she she's married. All right, well, otherwise, she's not my type anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that Joe Cohen podcast is a good one about the same doing the unexpected in conversation. But I really realized this the other day when when dealing with this brain fog from COVID and playing chess, and I was playing so horribly, but I was just making I I kept saying to myself, why am I making these boring expected moves? And then I just started making like I just started looking for the weirdest, wildest moves possible. And some of them were bad, but every now and then I'd find a good one, and then I'd make it. And、uh, I'd like sit and wait for when the unexpected moves, and I would start to set them up even. And then I'd start winning more and more games. And so I realized this is very similar to writing the ten ideas a day down, just practicing this. And then I started looking at the careers of like Warhol or,、um, you know, you know, there's there's this guy. A real guy, Major Edward Murphy. He worked testing new equipment for the Air Force, and in 1947, he famously came up with Murphy's Law, which says if anything could go wrong, it will. And so, not only does the unexpected coming up with the unexpected help you win in life, but the unexpected always is going to happen. So, having the psychology to deal with it helps you deal with the inevitable frustrations in life as well. Maybe I'll leave it with that. Right. I mean, this has been great. Like, even you got, you know, COVID. You have the brain frog. I'm just gonna start calling it brain frog. It's still great. You know, you still give us、uh, great lessons. Even though now I'm hosting now. Yeah. Not, not James Hardaway show anymore. <laughs> um. All right. Well, if everybody, I hope everybody listens to the masterclass on investing when I do it. I also want to talk about. Uh, here's a here's a prelude to a podcast in the next few days. A lot of people talk about stoicism, and I respect that. I think stoicism is a great secular modern philosophy. 
that's over 2,000 years ago, old. But there is one philosophy that I think, for me, has had a lot more impact and a lot more benefit and created a lot more success for me than Stoicism. I'm going to talk about that in a podcast in the next few days as well. Right? Are you going to have a uh, Ryan Holiday on just to debate? On no, no, this? not if, maybe later. <laughs> First, I'm going okay. to describe this one. All right, James, rest well. See you later, Jay. Thanks. Every single day on my Twitter account, follow me at Jay Altucher. I'm doing the adult improvement tip of the day. As an adult, I've become a chess master, professional stand-up comedian, a computer programmer, an investor, a hedge fund manager, an entrepreneur. In some cases, I've mastered some of these new fields. It's no good to just do something mindlessly over and over and over again and not get better. You get happier when you improve. New research shows that adults can improve just as easily as kids or almost as easily. I've written books about adult improvement. I have new ideas that beat out the 10,000 hour rule. And I'm doing a whole thread every single day, one tip a day for the next 100 days, adult improvement tip of the day. Find me on Twitter at Jay Altucher.